I've been feeling this way for a really long time. And it's just developed into, I could see it. I was short with my husband. I was short with my two daughters. And then I would have mom guilt later. And then I would beat up on myself. Welcome to the Real Talk 238 podcast with your host, Denise Lee, a licensed professional counselor and nationally board certified counselor in the state of Alabama. The focus of the Real Talk 238 podcast is to have real conversations concerning taboo topics that people in the church may find themselves struggling with or feel they may not be able to talk about. The topics discussed on the Real Talk 238 podcast are intended strictly for informational and educational purposes only. These topics are not a substitute nor does it replace professional medical, psychiatric, psychological, or mental health advice, nor is it a substitute for a diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or a qualified licensed mental health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or mental health disorder. right now. Let's get started. Hey everyone, my name is Denise Lee and I am the host of the Real Talk 238 podcast. I'm a little bit under the weather, so if I don't sound like my usual self, that is why. I wanted to come on real quick before our interview today and just let you know about the Resolute and Refresh Ladies Ministries Retreat. We just had this, and it was just absolutely phenomenal. If you are a pastor's wife, a minister's wife, or a woman who is involved in ministry, you will want to keep your eyes open for anything to do with this, because the feedback I got from so many was this was unlike any other ladies' conference or retreat that these ladies have been to. It was very encouraging, very refreshing. It was not a large event, so it was a small group setting, which I think really makes it more intimate. Please stay tuned after this short announcement for the interview that is coming up. Again, this interview, I was this was last year, June of 2021. As you can see, I'm behind, but it's still good information either way. Please listen to this short message, and we will be right back. With all the recent negative headlines in regard to church negligence and reporting, it is more important now than ever for churches and ministry to be proactive so they aren't the next headline for a major news network or on social media. How many times have you questioned if a situation or behavior was reportable? As a church leader, how often have you feared being targeted by an individual because you didn't know what procedures or steps that you needed to take as a mandated reporter? Felicia Miller of Greater Purpose Counseling has a solution for you. I was able to interview her on episode 25 about her church risk management paperwork packet that she has created and has well designed to protect churches and ministry from being the next negative hot topic in a news broadcast or on social media. Her paperwork addresses issues like having domestic violence, sexual abuse, 
elder abuse and suicidal ideation. By using her church risk management paperwork, churches and ministry can take steps to protect themselves because the paperwork clearly outlines what is reportable. Protect your ministry and church from being the next headline. For more information, contact Felicia Miller at fmiller, that's F-M-I-L-L-E-R, at greaterpurposecounseling.com. Again, that's fmiller at greaterpurposecounseling.com. Hey, everyone. Thank you today for coming and listening to the Real Talk 238 podcast. I'm your host, Denise Lee, and I am excited about my guest today. Her name is Cami Giwa Agbamorelli. Nailed it. Woo! <laughs> I was going to save you, but you nailed it. <laughs> Under pressure and everything. But we're just going to go with Cami. <laughs> yes, that's why I tell everybody to call me Cami. <laughs> She's from Pewaukee, Wisconsin is where she's located. She is a licensed professional counselor, which makes me even more excited to have her on the program today because I just have a special place in my heart for counselors, apostolic counselors for that matter. And she's also a preacher's wife. So even more special place <laughs> in my heart today. So this is awesome. All these connection points. Her husband's name is Ahi. They've been married for 14 years. They have two beautiful children, Solana and Sienna, and they have a dog, Hazel. And she's in True Life Church in Waukesha, Wisconsin. And they moved there from Missouri two years ago. And they are the assistant pastors, heavily involved in pastoral care and counseling, which is so needed. I can tell you that she also leads worship and praise. She sings. She teaches. Man, she's just the wealth of knowledge. Before I hit record, I mean, we we had some pretty good conversation and I was so enlightened. She does this thing called Table Talk on Sunday mornings. She is empathic, creative, friendly. She loves people, but she can get drained because she's an introvert. And I do relate to that. And most people think she's an extrovert. I can relate to that as well because she has great social skills. She's introspective and can take a chill convo to a deep place without even meaning to. Honestly, I think that's just part of being a therapist because you can take those conversations and run wide open. And a fun fact about Cami is she's Canadian. And this is talent. She lost her front tooth twice and she got chicken pox twice. Hey, Cami, how are you? Hey, Denise. I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. Like I said, we, we had some really great conversation. I mean, time was flying and I'm like, oh, I got to get this thing going here with some technical difficulties, which does not surprise me on my end. I asked Cami when she was at the Missouri Ladies Conference and I did not know who you were before this. I mean, I think we might've been Facebook friends, but I got on there and you got to talking about anger. And I thought, perfect. So that's why I asked you to come on the podcast today. Yes. You want me to bring my angry self over here and enlighten people? No, I'm honored. Yeah, I was speaking at Missouri Ladies. They have a Facebook page and they asked me to do like a 10-minute devotional. And it was on emotional and mental health. And uh, the direction I felt to go was really to focus on anger and what was underneath my anger and that it's a secondary emotion. What made you decide to go the direction of anger? I think because of what got revealed to me, like what was underneath my anger, it felt very applicable for coming out of like a COVID year. And I'm trying to think of how far back if we were still kind of in the COVID year, or I think we were just kind of coming out of, well, we had already been out of the lockdown and life was resuming, but just still there was so many people who were not doing what they really wanted to do or feeling very stuck. And 
I just felt like, you know what, this is probably relatable. I'm probably not the only one who's feeling or has felt this way. So that's what made me go that direction. And that is such a great point because that's the other reason why I do this podcast, because a lot of people think they're the only one. Mm -hmm. Nobody else has been through that. And I promise I get messages, I get emails from people saying, thank you. I thought I was the only one. Thank you for having this person. It's just a way to make people realize, because I think for far too long in the church, you go to church and nobody talks about, at least older generation, I think as younger generation, and when I say younger, I'm talking 50 and under but it's like we're more open to sharing. The older that we get, the younger judges. <laughs> of course it's 50 and under. I know, right? All the young people who are 60 and under. <laughs> I know. Or 70 and under. Yeah, I'll be 70 years old. Like, yeah, the younger generation is in their 60s. Oh, that's awesome. It's going to be awesome. I totally am going to do that, though. It's going to be like, <laughs> um, yeah. I've told you about my mother-in-law. She's over 60, who actually will share and will tell. But there is there has been a stigma of like, we don't talk about those things. We don't we don't discuss those things. Yeah, I totally relate. And I think too, with mental health, particularly in the church, you did not talk about stuff. Mm -hmm. And I've had this conversation with my pastor. What do you do with these people? They come to church, they have all this baggage and they go to the altar and they try letting it go, but yet they're still struggling. It, the reality is, is I don't know, even 20 years ago, people in my age group, I felt like there was a frustration that was happening because you start to question things. You're starting to wonder why's about things or you really need to talk. You were going to elders and going to people in your life and getting cliche answers. Yeah. <laughs> we're very frustrating. So it's interesting because, you know, now we're dealing with like the Me Too movement. My mother-in-law and I were talking recently and she was saying, you would think that after all the resources we have and all of the help and all the counseling that people would have quote unquote less problems nowadays because there's so much help books, all these books. She was looking at my bookshelves. I have a lot of books. And she was like, there's so much available to people at their fingertips. You would think that it would be different. And I told her the reality is, is that for years, it's always been underreported. People do not always share what they're experiencing right. and tell. For years, I said, what's happening now is A, COVID allowed a lot of people to lose the excuse like, oh, I can't see someone. Hi, it's at my fingertips now. I can see someone right here without even having to have like tons of effort. And then also this movement of this happened to me as well, or I struggle with this as well. There's just a freedom that is coming and people were hearing the saddest stories of pastor's wives who've committed suicide. I just think things are just really shaken up where people are like, let's not wait till it gets that bad. Mental health and, and wellness is a real topic. Like we've really just got to go there and talk about it. Even me being invited to talk about that. More people are open to it and wanting to hear about it and wanting to discuss it. And I think too, with COVID, particularly people who are workaholic, their whole life is work, work, work. Well, what do you do when you can't go to work? Right. And you're stuck at home, whether you're married or not married, but here you are stuck with yourself. Yeah. And then for whatever reason, why people are workaholic, which that's just a surface issue, because whatever they're trying to avoid, they go to work. That's what they do. And that could be with other things as well, like eating and drinking drugs, whatever the case may be. It doesn't matter what is it you're so involved in. And so I think for a lot of people, it was really having to take a hard look at ourselves because there was no distractions. Oh, it's so real. And it was before COVID. I realized I had been angry. Sometimes you realize you've been feeling something for like years. Yes. It's not just months or a week. I was like, man, I've been feeling this way for a really long time. And it's just developed into, I could see it. I was short with my husband. I was short with my two daughters. And then I would have mom guilt later. And then I would beat up on myself. In the middle of the night, I'd wake up. Oh, you're doing this wrong. You're screwing your kids up and all this stuff. And then, okay, it's a new day. God's mercies are new every morning. 
try to be like fun mom, like let's have a great day. Cause when we were hashtag suddenly a homeschool mom and not prepared to be that. And so there was just more frustrations coming out. One day, my daughter, she was six at the time. I remember her praying. I asked her to pray for breakfast. And I'm sitting at the table with the girls, which again, I, when you're so busy, sometimes you're like, here, here's some cereal. Here's some oatmeal. I'm going to go shower while you, you could just be so busy. Like you said, it did cause some slowing down, which is such a blessing. When she prays, she prays for the world. She prays for the Africans and missionaries. Like she just prays for the nations and she doesn't pray for the food. So she's praying for everything. And then she says, and God, help mommy and I not to fight too much today. Oh, I'm going to try to be a good listener, but help mommy not to feel too upset today and help us to have a good day in Jesus name. Amen. And I mean, like, I mean, it hit me so hard. I was like, my kid is picking up on my stress. My kid is picking up on my anger. Again, they live with us. They see right through all of our facades. (laughs) That's a great point you break up too, because people, not your case, but people who have marital problems, they think they're hiding it from their kids. Oh no, no, those kids, whether you fighting in front of them or not. Yeah, they know something's up. Yeah, they're so intuitive and that prayer and she's so sincere about it. I probably was doing things that I still find very toxic. I was probably shaming. You should have known that or things I find very toxic. I was angry. Again, this is not like particularly about COVID. This is more about the anger, but it, it was, it just, it, it had been there for a while. So I had to do, I had to just really buckle down and do some extreme self-work. Cause I remember my husband, I would go and be like, oh, this is frustrating. And he's like, baby, you need to at some point pause and look inside and actually see what's going on because you've been like this for a while. And I didn't realize it was me. I'm like, oh, he's so awesome. And he's so wise. He's like, you've been like this for a while. It's like, at some point you might just want to like look in and just really figure out what's really going on because we don't know what's going on. <laughs> so essentially like, we don't know who you are. Where's mom? He's precious. Just this wisdom. And it's like, he just waited. Yeah. He's super wise. I mean, he could have said that at any time, but he just, he chose the right time. And because he's learned, I mean, that's the thing, you know, he's definitely tried and I'm sure I've responded terribly, but no, it was true. And it was something like, all I can, all I know is I'm angry. That's the feeling I'm feeling. And what, you know, when you both, you and I both know is anger is a secondary emotion. It's not a primary emotion. Anger is typically masking something. So really at the root, are you hurt? Are you disappointed? Like more of a primary, you know, sadness, a primary emotion is underneath there. And what is actually going on? So, you know, you're trained, you're in the mental health field, you're having this crisis. I couldn't comprehend what was going on and what was at root, et cetera. So I started to look and it was funny how it it became quite simple. I had a lady at church who's a mentor lady in my life. And, and again, I'm going back and forth. This is all just not during the COVID year, but all this process, because I'd been feeling it for a while. And remember I was at that time, the choir director, and I was trying to do many things and do many ministries. And that time my young guess who's three she was seriously like a baby when I was even still going through this period of storming and you know I just need you to support me at home and just take the kids so I can go to this practice and try and do all these things and I started to feel my husband had come to me again his timing and he was just like you know I'm backing out of choir and he said I really think you need to as well I was a director oh he's like I really think you need a season of just not doing it I was like I have never gone to church and not done anything Like, I don't know what that means. You're speaking a different language. I don't compute. Like, how do I go to church and do nothing? What do you mean? Like, I don't know how to do that. And he's just like, I just really think you need to start praying about that. So he started planting the seed that I started to really open my, your blind spots can be so huge when you're stressed. At this point, were you in Missouri or were you in Wisconsin? This is all Missouri. This is over two years ago. The COVID part was just 
a little residue. I've already started been working on it and I kind of, I could see it a little bit more, but before that, like I said, this anger thing had been going on for years and I was high achieving. I was doing stuff. I was very involved in ministry, but I, underneath there was always this current and sometimes it would flare up and I'd feel rage was past anger, but it was just always there. And it came out on my family the most. The people at church was like, praise the Lord. Hello, saints. I was my best version of myself in a public's eye. And then at home, they were getting monster cam. So I was monster cam at home. You know what I mean? Your family is supposed to be so important to you, but they weren't getting the best version of me. I remember really coming ahead with it. Like, oh my goodness, I'm the director. And there's so much going on in my church at this time. And they just really need me. I'm the only one. And all the things you start just telling yourself and feeling like, can I just wait till after Easter? Okay, fine. I'll get up. But I can't leave them high and dry for Easter. And just not wanting to disappoint. I went to a mentor lady and she says to me, she says, Cammie, you are having a crisis of priorities. It was so, so laser focused and spot on. And I was like, I am. And she said, you know, stuff that you hear from Lisa Turkis, her book, The Best Yes, Uh that you only, you know, if you say yes to something, you are essentially saying no to everything else. And that's true. Make sure that you choose your best yes and say yes to the thing you should say yes to. So as I'm saying yes to all these ministry things I'm doing, I'm saying no to my family. I'm saying no to my husband. I'm saying no to quality time. I'm saying no to the loving, safe, peace environment that we want. I was letting it kind of fall apart, expecting him to kind of help because we're a team. That's what we do. I'm just in a crazy season and making excuses as my blind spots are so huge. When that happened, I actually finally did. I went to my pastor and he was beautiful about it. He was so kind and so patient, but it was still very hard. And they didn't have a choir director for a while. And I'm sitting there like, oh God, this is hard and whatever. I mean, that's just something small, but that was a step that was necessary. What came out from it is I committed to, I think I got this from Darren Hardy. I don't know if he's the one over Success Magazine, but like these highly effective people who have all these beautiful habits where I was doing all this research. And what they said is when you're going to work on something, when you have a habit you're trying to change, commit to a year of reading three to four books on the topic of going at least one time during that year to like a conference on the topic to listening, you know, a YouTube, a Ted talk, a podcast, saturate yourself with education on that topic and make that your focus for the year. Like that's your theme. You're working on that. So I started to delve in and all of that led me to realize something that was quite simple that I just couldn't see. And it was the fact that I was not living my life as I truly desired. I was not being intentional about it. I was like, I'm a leaf in the wind. Okay, I have to go here. I was doing what was urgent versus what was important and putting out fires. And okay, what's the very next thing I have to do? And I was thinking, I wasn't prioritizing my leisure time. You know, I wasn't doing like reading a book. I love reading and things I actually enjoy or want to do. I wasn't, I was just doing everything else that I quote unquote had to do. That's really important. And you know this too, therapists are really like the worst. That's self-care. That's self-care. We really are. Yes. One thing I've had to learn how to do, and I don't know if you do this, is schedule time off. Like today, I purposely didn't schedule anybody today because it's just having those priorities in place. And I'm finding too, as the more I'm in private practice and seeing clients that I really do need to schedule those days off. Some days it's just do whatever like maybe not planned, you know, if I want to be in my jammies all day, so be it. It's okay. (laughs) You know, and I think that's so important to schedule that even that leisure time, like you said. Yeah. And prioritize it. You know, it sounds so simple, but I think when you're juggling a lot, you could be juggling career, you could be juggling being a a parent, stay at home mom, whatever, anything you're juggling, you can pour yourself into that role. And we have a tendency as females to be very like self-sacrificing to the detriment of ourselves, like giving. And I was in a habit of, I get up in the morning, I didn't take a shower. I didn't do my devotion. 
I mean, this is what was going on is what I have to do for my kids. What do they need to get the day started? What do my husband need? And nobody taught me that necessarily. It was just what I thought was right. And I would started getting mad at him because I thought, why is he just getting a roll out of bed and go take a shower and then go to work? I work too. And I was comparing and, and he's like, baby, you're making those choices. Like we can shower at night. You can shower, like we can make this work. You know, I'd make everybody leave. And then after I finally take care of myself and, you know, that included like mine, maybe I would look forward to going to the gym and then have this awesome shower then. And I had the morning to do that, but it just really became like, I made a list of my longings. Yeah. What was important to me? And like, what did I want to do? And what meant a lot to me? And then I made a list of my roadblocks. A lot of times it was me or my habit. It's silly. Lots of people get up, shower, do their thing. And again, I was doing everything else before I did any of myself. It was just super unbalanced. And I had to just really list the roadblocks here. And then I just made these manageable, achievable steps. So for example, if you just really do want to work out and it's important to you and it's part of your health, what's a chunk size thing you could do? Okay, well, if it is a gym thing, COVID made gyms kind of sometimes uncomfortable for people. So I'm just saying, if it's like, okay, I looked up where I'm going to go. The next day I got a membership or I took a walk that was like 10 minutes and then I made it 15, but just making it actually manageable. So you feel like you are positively predictable. When you're more positively predictable with yourself, you trust yourself more. Did you ever figure out where the anger was coming from? Yeah. I mean, so for me, I think I was just becoming resentful of everything that I was doing that I didn't want to do. Like, as I said, I feel like I was just not living intentionally and I wasn't living the life I wanted. For me, it was coming from the resentment of that, the hurt of it, the saddest disappointment. It was like, this is not the life I want to be living. I had a lot of mom guilt. I'm spending time doing a lot of other things. I'm not getting enough time with the girls. So I was angry at this world I'd created. I was raging against it. So I think when you're being incongruent, I wasn't being my authentic self. That wasn't who I wanted to be. I could see, I would get upset. Then I'd be like, so mad. Like, why did you do this? Honestly, I was depressed. A lot of people don't realize like depression, that's not uncommon at all. Or when you're super stressed out, and I'm not saying this is the case with you. It's like, for me, I deal with a lot of anxiety. It's horrible. It's my life. That's one of the things I deal with. It's like when you deal with anxiety, because I have for a long time, just had to do my own personal work on dealing with it. So like, I don't do the store very well. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God for my husband. He does my shopping. Like you said, those small chunks. Yes, that's perfect. Yeah. I have a friend. She cracks me up. And she knows I struggle with it. So here not too long ago, and I appreciate her so much. It's so funny because she's a real estate agent. We met for breakfast and then she says, well, do you want to do any exposure therapy? You could tell her friend's a therapist because I'll use these. Yeah, it's when she says that. <laughs> so terms, they start throwing out your terms. Yep. I'm like, what are you thinking? She says, well, I was thinking about going to the store and wanted to see if you can go. I said, let's do it. Yeah. So I just talked the whole time in there, but as it was getting more, like I could feel, I finally said, I, I got to go outside, get some fresh air because I knew I had reached my limit. But yeah, it's, it's just those things, you know, you do it in chunks and stuff. Yes. But the other thing too, what people may not realize, like when you deal with anxiety, like you said, the depression, sometimes those go hand in hand. Like when one goes up, the other goes up. So for sure. And then they have a child. Yeah. It's anger. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sigmund Freud always, the father of psychology said, he says, depression is anger turned inward. And I was like, I find that to be so, because that's the thing you're so, you're so again, I know that as I said, anger is a secondary emotion. It was so, so mad at me. Then you just get in the self-loathing place. I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, you know what? I'm not above that. Like there are times my husband comes home and I'm on a heap in the floor talking about how no, I don't even, you know, what's wrong with, you know, you're just a mess. You're like, 
because you can just really stay in your head. And usually what you have to do is get up, do what you have to do, keep moving, engage. Do the basic self-care stuff. Yes, that you need. My thing is more, I deal with anxiety more than the depression piece, but you're absolutely right that they go hand in hand. And I'm not above being in a heap at some point and feeling all self-loathing, replaying how I acted or talked in something and being like ashamed of myself or just all these little, these little things that can come up and kind of deal with self-care. And I think stopping and just, I don't know if I thought I was being like a hero or what I thought I was doing by being so self-sacrificing, but I didn't see how much I was damaging. I was actually harming myself. Do you think like when the anger was boiling up a lot, because I'm still thinking about your little girl and her prayer, which was, that was so precious. Kids are just so genuine. If they said, God, would you please turn the sun blue today? I mean, they would be so sincere about it, thanking God. And looking. And looking, expecting it. That's just how kids are. But did you find for yourself, like it was the, just the stress part of it? Cause I know me, here's my good indicator and it's terrible, but I really have to pay attention. So I'll go through the drive-through. Like here we have Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. I notice, like when I'm really super stressed, my order is never right. And then I get mad and I blow up and then I have to avoid Chick-fil-A for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so intuitive because stress is so highly correlated. In fact, doing things so that you can minimize your stress, like, you know, okay, um, this is going to be a stressful time in my day. So getting the girls out the house and one's in preschool, one's in elementary and trying to get that together. If I don't do any kind of prep or anything like that, I just kind of roll a day. We're making it, but I, especially when it starts getting closer to time, maybe I usually, it's so funny. You start out relaxed and you're just like, hi girls. Oh, you uncle, you're so sweet. And you start out just so sweet and relaxed because it's a new day and you're going to be so awesome. And then the moment that they act like their age, you're like, move faster. Come on, you're just slow. Like we got to go. Like, and actually the stress that I've created in the home, it's me. And the stress that I've created because my husband's peace and they're all like, they're all different. They come from, I have a daughter who comes from fun country. She's all about fun. If I want to get her to do anything, I have to like make it a parade and be like, okay, count to 10. And then I get like, I have to do all that. And I have another daughter who's peace. And if all to get her to do anything, I have to be like, are you on my team? Yes, I'm on the team. What do you need, mom? And I come from like control country, like just wanting everything to like come together. I often create the stress due to like the way I'm managing my time. And it, it makes us like have terrible start to our day. And it causes more of that anger and that blow up. I love what you said. It's so correlated. But if the stress can be managed or minimized, yes, it makes a complete difference with the peace that you're feeling and all of that. So I think we can create chaos. Something else you said, the control. Fewer like the control, you've got to be in control of everything and that doesn't go your way. It can jack you up. It really can. Because I work with a lot of trauma. I love working with trauma, individuals who've experienced trauma. I'll ask the question, how important is control to you? And not 100%, but I'd say about 90% of the time, they'll start crying. It's like something and it goes back to childhood. Yeah, you're so right. Like there was some part of their life, they did not have any control. So as they've grown older and it's like they have to, you know, they need that control of whatever it is in their life. Control is so important. I think kids are so good at breaking that in, in people because they're so unpredictable. And so I realized I was thinking about it's kids control and then also wanting to be perfect. Oh my word. Those two combined is just, it could be a nightmare. I'm saying all this because I'm being transparent. Of course, you do a lot of self-work and you monitor yourself and you realize, okay, you're doing it. Or you have a sweet husband who will remind you. And so the reality is that you have to become like way more hands-off. Like they can do it in a different way and it's still going to happen. And it's going to be fun if they do it and not the way that you think is the best way. It is something that obviously can be learned and worked on. But I love what you said, because I literally was working with someone yesterday who 
the control piece and we just did like like the downward arrow exercise or circular question where we just kept asking starting with control and I think she said something if I'm not in control I feel like I'm incompetent you know what what is so bad about feeling incompetent so you're asking kind of what's so bad or why would that be upsetting right and you're just continually asking the kind of why question and tracing it down so you get to their core belief for her it was just like if she is not in control she is worthless control makes her worthwhile I realized a lot of those worthless messages and not being in control that all goes back to childhood it's like what message was you given yep Mm -hmm. just tell you I don't do cognitive behavioral therapy yeah (laughs) I'm not a fan of it I'm not saying it doesn't work but with the individuals I work with because there's been so much trauma it's like we got to get the trauma part of it before we can even do the cognitive behavior changes. 100%. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this was the case for you, but like during grad school, lovely grad school. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. <laughs> that was where I learned about vulnerability. Cause I went into yeah. grad school, miss, I'm going to be in control. Yeah. Arrogant. Oh my word. I was so arrogant. I remember telling my advisor, cause I, I just went into her office. I said, you know, I said, I'm just going through who, because I could be a therapist any day. And I had a lot to learn. (laughs) Boy, that first semester was rough because then we had to write all those reflection papers. And for those who do not know what a reflection paper is, basically what it is, any class you take, I don't care what it is, whether it's on diversity, whether it's on addictions, diagnosis, whatever the case, you have to write a reflection paper, a case study on yourself pertaining to that whatever it is you're studying. Man, that was a rough first semester because I was about to get vulnerable. By the end of the third semester, it's like, here, I don't care. Look at my underwear. Not literally. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. But you know, (laughs) but it was just to that kind of like, I don't care anymore. What do you want to know? I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's so, so true. But you learn a lot about yourself. And I mean, did you find through grad school, like through those reflective writing assignments, like about the anger? Oh, you went there. I'm gonna try to go to my anger, go back to my grad school times. Huh? It's a- no, okay. So I literally think anger for me started creeping up when I got married. Okay. <laughs> I was and I always laugh. I was like, I didn't even know I was an angry person until I got married. And the reality is, is that you're doing so much when you're married, you're honoring each other. There's so much give and take. And it, it's not, again, like if you have that control perfect background, I do relate to the trauma and childhood and all of that. I, I hear it, expecting it to be a certain way. And I'll never forget my husband and I, we talk about it because we do marriage workshops and things. We talked about the period where I went into marriage thinking I will not be an egg. My mom was an egg. I will not be an egg. I will not be like my mom in that way. And that was the goal. And I mean, the worst thing you could hear is you're being a egg like your mom. Like he didn't say that. He's so sweet. But I'm over here <laughs> making this face like, ooh. But I caught myself because again, I felt like I was logical. I was thinking, okay, so the hamper's right here. You put your socks here. Can't you just like put them in the hamper? Like it was stuff like that. Or if you're done with the chip bag, can't you just throw it in the garbage? Or, you know, I mean, just getting, you know, it was our first year of marriage and I want our house to be clean, but I'm not perfect with it. I just kind of wanted some clean and stuff like that. And I'll never forget, I started to do Cracking the Communication Code by Emerson Egrich, who wrote Love and Respect. That's a great book. So uh, Cracking Communication Code is like the book after that, if you want to think of it, it kind of partners with it. And it's all talking about the fact that we don't hear each other in the way that we communicate. You know, he said, think of girls as having a blue microphone, you know, blue headphones, right? Blue glass. I'm saying blue, I meant pink, everything, pink glasses and men having blue, all of that. And you'll say one thing and, you'll, and it'll be completely heard, completely opposite. We started learning how to motivate each other, you know, how to energize each other and I remember one day, I don't know what I was saying to my husband. He looks at me and he's like, if you're trying to motivate me, he said, it's not working. 
And I just followed the tears like I was. That's exactly what I was trying to do. I was trying to motivate you and I don't know how to get you to do anything. And then, like, why can't you see the trash? Like crying and like whatever. And it was really like a, a moment of, oh my word, that's not working. That's not what motivates you. And so like really learning. So anyways, that anger piece, I think became clear, like with those frustrations until we both, oh my goodness, we both learned that you don't control each other and you, you are not responsible for changing each other. Pray for each other, but work on yourself. So when we started like on ourselves in our marriage, like I'm going to work on this and work on that. I'm going to read this book. He's doing this. I mean, we both became such different people and it really helped. And it, I think the anger came back again when I went through some of my most significant losses. Cause I don't feel like I was angry the entire marriage. I started noticing my anger tendencies that I didn't know I had. We found our niche, started clicking and figured that part out. And then I went through some intense grief and loss that I think propelled that anger to come back up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, to resurface. That's how it is. Like you think you've got it all under control. There's that control thing again. And then something will happen in our lives. And it's like, it kind of throws us back. Triggers. Yeah, triggers right back and that kind of happened so that's kind of the period and then I, I think life stages can change you then I was a mom and had another stage of like okay how do I do this how do I deal with this or this is different than I expected or I, I think there again I, I just really highlight the fact that it it really is secondary though because typically you're really feeling something else you're disappointed that you didn't get invited to that party it's always something else but it's helpful. It's helpful too. It's, to me, it's an indicator light. It's like, okay, the indicator light's going on in your car. You're feeling some anger. What are you really feeling? What's really going on? What's behind it, Cami? Exactly. Yeah. Too many drive-through experiences and I'm blowing up. Yeah. All right, Denise, what's, what's going on? Where is it? Where's this coming from? So now it's, a, it's helpful. It's not a little indicator. Like, okay. I'm getting upset. Why are you upset? Especially when people are acting appropriate, like age appropriate or whatever. And you're just kind of getting too upset about it. The only thing I want to just add, if I'm thinking on this whole topic is I'm not, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge the work of prayer and the working of the spirit in your life to actually any issue that you're trying to deal with. Like I believe strongly Christ is the change agent. And so if there's change is going to occur, it's, it's because God helped it, helped it to occur. But sometimes we just have to get ourselves there and get ourselves in his presence to help us. I think sometimes we have stuff along the way we have to deal with in order to get to that place. I think a lot of people have a lot of roadblocks, hurts, church hurt, all sorts of stuff that kind of make it a bit of a block. But for me, and I had to deal with if I was angry at God or I struggled with trusting him, I felt disappointed by you. You hurt me in this way, or I, I struggle with trusting anybody. Or I, I just think though that whole just God relationship and working through that and working on that is such a big part of the healing as well. It is. That's a great point you bring up as well. And I appreciate that, especially like for older generations. And I'm talking about people who have been in church, like 20 plus years, they were back then, you didn't hear a lot of being a therapist and being in the church. It was a lot of this contention, like it couldn't coexist. Thankfully, there are plenty of people out that are in church that do work in mental health and they allow God in there to help because it's, it's not all a Jungian thing. It's not a humanistic thing. It's not a Freudian thing. I know there are some people that are very old school in that aspect. And they're like, oh, that's humanistic. Oh, it's Jungian. Oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, they get on all this and I'm like, wait a minute. God never changed, right? We as people have changed. Why can't God, if God gave us medication, if God gave us physicians, if God gave us attorneys, if God gave us 
optometrist, you know, all these different things. Why can't God give us therapists to help us with our emotional and mental health? Because somewhere along the way, the church, I think, hasn't, not saying that they have failed totally, because there's some awesome churches out there. There's some awesome pastors that really connect, but there's also times where you need something in addition to the church. I, and again, I think it's about the experience of it. Because I, I think you and I were having a, a bit of a side conversation and we were mentioning that when you go through something, when you actually go through your own situation, I'm working with someone who's like in, in her forties and she's like, I have never experienced anxiety like this ever. Like maybe a little nervous about a test, but she's like, in fact, I didn't relate to it. I didn't empathize with people who are going through it, whatever. And she's going through this like bout of it. And she's very much a prayerful person and she's confused and frustrated. Why is it even happening to me? One of the gifts, what she's dealing with is realizing wow, I didn't look at people this way. Like I didn't even understand. Sometimes it really takes going through something yourself to understand how very real it is, how very challenged that it's not that easy. And my biggest thing is I love so much when pastors go through trainings or educate or read up or go to a class. Like I get so excited about that because pastors are the front line. Like people often will go to their local pastor before they'll go to a therapist and I, it's understandable. So one of my burdens strongly is to, you know, provide workshops and educate as well so that, you know, churches can be healthier because they are the front line. But I get so excited also when a pastor is able to call me and, they, and it happens and make a referral and say, okay, this is above what I feel I have knowledge on or education on would really like your help or I would like, and it happens all the time. And I celebrate that. I do think, like you said, there are so many mindsets that are keeping people from actually getting the intervention. I mean, it's so, always so sad for me when someone comes and they're like, so secretive and nervous and scared. I don't know if I'm having faith in that because I, I thought God would work on this when I'm struggling. And they feel so much shame about just getting someone professional to help them hold their hand. Like you, I've had various churches, they've come to me and they said, and they're very secretive. I go, I've, I'm seeing a therapist. And I go, I go, awesome. Guess what? Me too. And it's like, <laughs> they're like, Whoa! it's very, like, I always tell people, like, I celebrate you because I think you're being responsible. You are dealing with something. Go to the expert. <laughs> go to the one that can help you. Go to the doctor. Go to whatever, you know. Years ago, you, you know, that was so terrible. It's a shame. But man, we've got people coming to church with so much baggage. How do you deal with that? How do you work with that? And of course, you know, prayer, definitely prayer. And I know for myself, like, you know, you talked about like the anger part of it. And for me, it was like forgiveness. Like I went through this period of having to learn how to forgive, got mad at God. Then it was like this thing of different ones would come to my mind. And you know how it is when you're the anger, just the anger pops up and you'll just be yeah, you won't even be thinking about nothing about the person. And then one day it's like you hear their voice in the back of your head, some comment or they would say, and all of a sudden, and then you start off on those one-sided conversations. I would have told you. Yes. Yes. What would you have said to that? Oh gosh. Yes. <laughs> so for me, that's where God had to really work with me at is unforgiveness. So I remember just driving down the interstate while I was going to school, grad school. I think grad school did a lot. Grad school was pivotal. <laughs> it was so pivotal, but it was just that thing of learning how to pray and yeah, get mad at God. And, but then also saying, God help me with forgiveness. Cause I don't even know how to do this thing. I don't even know if I have it in me. So I think that is so important. And there's no shame in getting help if you need it. 
no shame at all. Mm -mm. On your topic right now, I just have one more thing. I have this mean disclose. So I, for years had, I'm not even, it wasn't even years. God did it quick, but it was called a hit list in my Bible. And it was a list of all the people that I just couldn't even stand. I was mad at them. I was offended. I was hurt. My dad was on the list. People like I care just because again, I was in just different seasons and I called it my hit list because one of the people on there, I mean, you know, when you're so upset, you could literally talk about the situation for over an hour. Like I have all these details. I can tell you, and it can go on for over an hour and a half, how upset I am about that or at that person, like people like that were on the list or people just that annoyed me for no reason. And I felt bad about it. I'm like, I don't, I just am annoyed by this person and I don't know even what they've done. They're innocent, but I was in this nah, period. So this list was my hit list. And every time I prayed, I would pull this night list out and I couldn't say these like flowery, like, and bless their home, bless their family. It was nothing. I would just say their names. I was like, God, please be with this person and help them help me with my emotions, please. And I would just go down the list and I'm not kidding. I find like, I think the word of God is like magic and prayers magic, honestly. God, it's literally God who did on this particular thing. Oh, there's so many other stories. And I think forgiveness, um, I think you have some really good stuff on forgiveness that you, that you talk about, like you were mentioning, but for, for this, my prayer, something happened to where I'll, I still, to this day, like the number one person was the person I could talk about for an hour and a half straight of how frustrated I was. I cannot even recall it or talk about it or bring it up to you or even remember why I was so mad at that. Just gave me chills. Cause I'm sitting here as you're telling me, you couldn't remember. And I'm thinking, I wonder if that's how God does. <laughs> not at all. I'm not exaggerating or being silly. Like I can't think of one. I'm like, why was I so mad? That's how I feel about it. Why was I so mad at him? It's a random person I went to school with just did stuff that would make me crazy. I don't mean to just make myself sound like the angry person of the universe. And I'm always angry, but I was just thinking about that forgiveness piece and how that hit, I call them a hit list. I've shared it with some people when I'm like, listen, this is one thing I did. And some people have found like had great, great results with that. I recommend the hit list. Obviously you don't want people to ever see it. It's so, so private. It's not that type of hit list for not gangsta hit list, not that type. But it, it made a huge difference in that specific season. I think that's great. Like just writing down their names and maybe you don't know how to pray for that person. It was hardly anything. I couldn't, I didn't know what to say. I didn't have a lot of words. And I think it's important to like, you know, obviously God knows everything. He knows how we feel. He knows like what we struggle with and he knows if we're going to lie to him or not, or be not, maybe not lie, but maybe not be completely honest. And I think that's important to acknowledge that because he already knows. It's not like he's going to say, Oh, I did not know that about you. No, it's like, yeah, I knew that I was waiting for you to own up to it. So true. One of my words. Yeah. As we get ready to close out, like one of the things I have every, I've, I have all my podcast guests do is I ask them to talk to that person who is whatever the topic. And of course, today is about being angry. So talk to that person out there who is like dealing with the anger. To you out there who you're dealing with anger and you don't, you don't even understand why you're treating others poorly. You're embarrassing yourself sometimes. You're, you're too harsh. You're too cold sometimes. You're too unloving. To you, with this anger piece, I want to encourage you so sincerely to look beneath it and to look behind it and to find out what is fueling it and what is driving it. Don't stop at just accepting that you're angry and that you've been angry for a long time. Don't stop at just thinking you need blood pressure medication or something to just help your, help your anger. Actually start to like get to the root and ask questions. If you don't feel like you can do it yourself, get someone to partner with you or go to someone who's trained to help you deal with it. But actually start, if you're a person of faith, start even praying about like, please reveal to me what is this about? 
and you may find all sorts of things that surface. And some of them you can do something about quickly. And some of them you may need somebody to hold your hand to do something about. But I cannot encourage you enough to know that you don't have to live that way continually, nor is it an excuse. It's not an excuse to treat others in the way that you've been treating them and you know you've been treating them. I encourage you to rise up and take responsibility for your actions and take responsibility for your emotions and take responsibility for your thoughts and your behaviors and where you are. And again, you don't have to know what to do, but you have to make up in your mind that I'm not going to stay in this place. I'm not going to stay here. I'm actually going to make some movement. And even if that is a phone call and, and transparency. I'm a big proponent of, and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I, I personally believe that's talking about big T for sure, talking about the Lord and, and what he offers for us. But I also really believe that it's talking about little T and just being honest. One of the first steps to me is just telling the truth. What are you doing? How are you acting? How are you? We just look at yourself and be truthful. Awesome. I've really enjoyed this interview. I enjoyed the pre before the interview. Oh my goodness. That was so good. You know, I want you to come back on the podcast and at a later time. And because one of the things we're both very passionate about is ministerial hearts. And so, yes, I want you to come back and we'll do a podcast on that sometime. Yes, for sure. I'd love it. Well, thank you again, Cami, for being on the podcast today. If anybody's out there who's listened to this, if it's touched your heart, if it's, if you know somebody that this could be helpful, please share the podcast with them, share this episode with them, because, you know, we do, we live in an angry society and we so much need to learn how to deal with our anger until next time, have a blessed and wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Real Talk 238 podcast for this week's episode. If you have enjoyed this episode of the Real Talk 238 podcast, please subscribe so you will be notified when new episodes are released. If you would like to leave a comment, or there is a topic you would like discussed on the Real Talk 238 podcast, you can drop an email at therealtalk238 at gmail.com. You can also find the Real Talk 238 podcast on Facebook and Instagram listed as at the Real Talk 238. As a reminder, the Real Talk 238 podcast is not a substitute, nor does it replace therapy. Always seek the advice of your physician or a qualified licensed mental health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or mental health disorder. Until next time, have a blessed day.